0: Who are you to tell me we have two minutes? It doesn't matter what you just said. It set me off. (laughs) (laughs) No, I can't do the show. Unless somebody talks to him and straightens him out, I can't do the show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Sounds from the 70s with Gary and Rob, otherwise known as Shuggy Shaggy Shuggy Toucheats. And we're coming to you from the Winchester building in the no longer affluent downtown Metropolis area. And guess why it's no longer affluent, Rob? Because the property values went to heck. Because of... Winchester? Well, I, I, I guess it would be Mr. Winchester, but
1: the building, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's kind of, it does bring the property values down a bit.
0: Shut up. <laughs> I, think, I love when I ask you a question and then when you answer it, I say shut up <laughs> I think the situation is the
1: way it is by design. That, I'm, I'm a hard to guy to work does. with. That's just the point. <laughs> uh, Only if I
0: listen to it. <laughs> today's episode, just like last week's episode. <laughs> no, today's episode is not last week's episode. People would turn it off and say, Oh, it's a repeat. Yeah, we're gonna do that one these days. Yeah, we, should. <laughs> we don't feel today's like it. listen to this. Last week's episode. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) So, today's episode, just like last week's episode was supposed to be, but wasn't, Mm. is our after-school episode, special after-school episode, I guess. Where we learn lessons, or teach lessons. This is where we teach a lesson, and we are going to teach all you youngsters and teenagers how to bring a podcast in on time, if not earlier than on time. Now last week last week we failed miserably doing that. earlier than on time. Uh, today is gonna to be so different, I tell you. Today we're gonna to bring this not only on time, but maybe, under well I said earlier than on time. I guess under yeah, we're gonna bring it under time instead of over time.
1: Yeah. I don't think we're gonna. I think you've got too much stuff there. Uh, I don't Cram think we're going in to add.
0: We're gonna try though. You know, we're just doing this for the kids. <laughs>
1: and the kids are the ones <laughs> who really appreciate it.
0: 'Cause I don't want the kids when they're starting out to go, you know, I want I want to do a podcast like Gary and Rob, but they're so long. <laughs> and I want them to know that it can be a shortened podcast if they try. And if there's one thing kids really enjoy,
1: it's audio podcast. So
0: <laughs> one thing <laughs> kids enjoy is reviewing <laughs> albums from the 70s.
1: <laughs> you talk to about the bee gees, hey, they look at you, they don't know what
0: you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Kids, kids. They're not like they used to be. Uh, oh, yeah. I feel, Rob, we're going to win uh, a potty for this episode. Now, a potty. I always wanted to win a Razzie. Is the uh, awards they give every year to podcasts that exceed the expect their expectations. So, Whoa. I know. We've exceeded our expectations. Well, we're trying with this one. We In just... fact, we should get one for every episode for the low expectations we have. <laughs> exactly. <you? laughs> Set the bar low. Yeah. That's potty as in p o d d y, not in p o t t y. Okay, so they actually have awards. Well, sure. That's <laughs> what I can't that thought. Anyway, this week is the last week in our three episode. I say anyway a lot, by the way, because I I, I try and divert from a lot I, of times. You're trying to just... Uh, uh, it's a segue, or yeah. more importantly, it's a segue from anything you may have I'm just one said. one of my interruptions. Yes. And they are frequent. And there are, there are probably lots of people going out there saying, like, you know, Gary does a lot of anyways. I have to. Anyways. Anyway, this week is the it. last episode in our three-episode <clears throat> look at the <clears throat> double live album in the 70s. Oh, I like that. I'm going to do it again. Live. Anyway... This week is the last episode in our three-episode look at the Double Log album of the 70s. And we close... <laughs> I can't go back to normal after that. And then we, <laughs> and then we close. <laughs> <laughs> and then we close up shop. And we close this theme with the infamous 1975 album by Keith's Kiss called Alive. I didn't plan on that. Uh, <laughs> did not, you even know what I did? Not Alive too. Okay, I got it. When the 1975 album by Kiss called it Alive. No, I can't call it. Oh, Forget it. We're moving on. Or as I call it, Kiss Comes Alive. <laughs> I just ruined the joke. Really? As I call it, Kiss Comes Alive and plants a big smooch on Peter Frampton. But I did the <laughs> smooch already, and it ruined because it, it was supposed to be a surprise.
1: And, yeah, and it came out. I could have warned you about that, but I wasn't at rehearsal.
0: I'm going to tell you, kids. And adults. Mm. We're five minutes into the show and we're ruining it already. (laughs) Uh, We really are. Uh, We're striking the ground. Those records, by the way, were released only months from each other, if not weeks. One was released, uh... "To Kiss Alive was released in late 1975. And uh, Frampton Comes Alive was released in the first week of 1976. So... Two of the most celebrated live albums ever were released very close to each other, if you're making notes. I'm not. And I don't think anybody should.
1: No. (laughs) You ought not to. Just kind of remember it, sort of, in case you're playing Triple Your Pursuit.
0: Anything happen at work today? That was, not today, but this week, that was funny. I got my left foot cut off. Anyway, so today we have... Oh I just did you <laughs> That kids is the expertise of not listening to the sidekick and yeah. I really wasn't
1: uh, You got a plan to not listen. You can't just not listen on the spot. Yeah, you got to know from the beginning you're not going to listen. Yeah, this is not going to be interesting. So
0: today we yeah but we actually so that sounds How like plan. It sounds do like the we same planned thing. that as an as a <laughs> like an exercise for people to but We both just know what we're doing. Yeah, we just we're just so good at what we do. Today we have, oh, today we have an extra long segment of odds and ends. This time, oh, fuck, <laughs> what'd you do? I uh, banged the coffee cup. It really on the threw me off. It didn't, uh, didn't spill anything. Otherwise. Okay. It I got would to have soaked it me in the groin. This is a really strange and bad episode today. But today we have an extra long segment of odds and ends. Right. Last time is not found again. And... And if you will please Rob would you remind our audience just exactly what odds and ends is about odds and ends is about unfinished business
1: family business making people uh, so uh, they you won't be seeing them no more
0: If you get us if you How give me a straight answer one of these times I will not ask you but I will ask you every episode until you give me a straight answer Unfinished right? business that's it and Actually it is yeah, unfinished business but not with family actually today business. it is today it is let, but this is unfinished let, business with our shows business. and mm. we have a lot mm. in fact we almost have no segments today
1: no except segments? for
0: odds and ends because we got a lot of odds and ends i miss email <laughs> Go <on> oh. here. <laughs> do you want to run the show then you can have all the email you want but the show would be a disaster. <laughs> I'd <laughs> be like me. an all email
1: show An all odds and ends show Review five albums in one show yeah. They'd be quick reviews
0: yeah, they'd, Real they'd quick reviews First off we want to go all the way back To the beginning When Man Was Back First off we want to go all the way back To our one of our first episodes Shows Which is episode <laughs> I actually wrote that down. I'm sorry, people. First off, we want to go back all the way to one of our first episodes, which is, which is an episode. Oh, I was supposed to say which is which is the episode. I put is instead of that. Which is the episode when we talked about Black Sabbath's first album. Oh yeah, remember? Yeah. And and more more specifically, their first album cover. Remember with the witch on it? Yeah, 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 the
1: creepy, freaky. Yeah, one. we
0: did that. We did that with the Sabbath, bloody Sabbath album. Now. Now I think we talked about their first album cover on that episode. I think we did, yes. But we did do an episode that we never aired, where we reviewed the the first Black Sabbath album. Do you remember that? And we ditched it because it. What we did. We That's had, why. We had technical difficulties. That's why, in my memory, our producer Uptown Mike, and yeah. uh, is to thank for those difficulties, but it wasn't really a very good episode because it, we didn't have too much to say about. We buttons. didn't
1: have our sea legs. We were wobbling and falling over the deck and vomiting over the side.
0: So when we redid that episode, we decided to not do the first album. we, uh, we reviewed Sabbath buddy Sabbath instead of that first album to, to be honest with you. And I am being honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the show that aired. Um, so that episode and the Alice Cooper Welcome to My Nightmare episode were the only shows that we actually changed the album to something else before the episodes actually aired. Oh, that's right cuz we did Welcome to My Nightmare the first uh, We did year and it was we a were, disastrous show. When we were
1: finding out that uh...
0: we had nothing to say about it except it was good. Yeah. In what? the in the Alice yeah, we, we we changed of course the Alice Cooper album to Muscle of Love. Love. Uh, For the same reason as why we didn't do the first Black Sabbath album. Too well known. Now, this is... Okay. Are you confused? Because I'm confused. This is a very confusing situation. But I do believe that we did talk about this either on our aired episode... (laughs) Or on our unaired episode about the cover of the Black Sabbath. We've talked about it in the past. I feel that we have talked about it. I know we have. I could have actually listened to to the Black Sabbath, Sabbath Buddy Sabbath. You didn't dream it. We talked about it. That was the, I think, and you know what? I think that's one of my favorite episodes because that's the episode where Mr. Winchester wrote us a letter. And uh, I didn't read it before it went onto the air and I kind of laugh it was very funny. <laughs> that was that episode. And I'm sure we, we we talked about it. But anyways, so these last two weeks have been the 50th anniversary of the release of the Almighty Sabbath debut album. Oh. And Rolling Stone did a lengthy making of story of the album and the cover uh that I saw two weeks ago and this week because I reread it. Very long, actually, and very good. And and the story cleared up some myths that may have been circulating for fifty years. Now, when we previously, when we did the, I'm sure we did it on one of our episodes. If you didn't hear it because it was on our unaired, this is so complicated because it was on our unaired episode, you won't remember it.
1: No, we talked about it on the aired episode.
0: Are you sure? I know we talked about it on the air, but it could have been the episode that we we abandoned.
1: I know we talked about it on the episode that we didn't abandon Okay,
0: that's what you say. Previously, we had reported that the model who appeared on the Black Sabbath cover was not known, remember? Yeah. And as mysteriously as she appeared... The
1: person we refer to as the witch.
0: As she mysteriously appeared <laughs> to shoot the cover, she disappeared, never to be heard of again. Remember when I said that? Well, that was just one of rock and roll's mighty great myths. mysteries. Yes, oh, wasn't okay. it wasn't a Okay, it brought it. It was used to bring some occult to the and mystery to the album. Uh, but actually, Rolling Stone in the last month or so talked to the model, whose name is Louisa Livingstone, and actually she appeared in a few movies that were I wouldn't say well known in England after the Black Sabbath cover. And now plays electronic music under the name of Indriba. Oh, cool. I I love saying that. Indriba. And, uh, yeah. And she was... uh, They had some very... And they also talked to the photographer who did the album cover shoot. It was a very... I'm not going to talk about the whole article. Read it online.
1: Your people. Your
0: people. People. (laughs) So another rock and roll myth. Has been debunked by our mighty investigators. See, all things Rolling are stone, yeah. not by us. But when we reported it the first time, that information was the information sure. that was out there. We didn't... Yeah, that's what we'd heard. That's what we heard. That was the myth.
1: You can't uh, say things that you haven't heard because then you're making stuff up.
0: Uh, are you going to be on the show all day tonight? Uh. <laughs> I'm going to be here after the Are planning to get some groceries or something? Dead or gone. <laughs> but I,
1: I may have to go use a little boy's room in a bit. Got
0: oh, a lot of please take your time. Okay. <laughs> we want to get to a really serious topic now. Not that Black Sabbath isn't serious, but uh, Black Sabbath is pretty serious, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, thinking of listening to that album. It scared the heck out of me. I think that was their intention. Um, on last week's show... And we have to get serious now. Are you serious? Get serious. Don't don't laugh. Don't laugh. On last week's show. This is why people tune out after like 10 minutes. It's because of you. Okay. I'm trying my best. Okay. I thought I'm failing. Because this is serious. This is our after school special show. So on last week's show, against my better judgment, Rob wanted me. To have a little fun with his sister's, uh, with his sister Nikki's weight, or shall we say, the enlarging <laughs> of her weight. Now, I think personally, See, uh, enough, Rob, here, enough. I, no, I
1: tell you, there's thin ice, and you just go jumping on it and uh,
0: hitting it with a stick. Yeah, she'd go through the ice. <laughs> now, I think making fun of somebody's, especially a woman's, large frame, <laughs> is not the kind of humor I like to be involved in. But because of the peer pressure I felt from Rob and our producer, Uptown Mike, I felt I had no choice but to go ahead with this irresponsible segment. What would be perceived as a cheap laugh? A cheap laugh by by Rob thinking it would be funny to make fun of his plump sister is not what I consider humor. Okay. Now, it may be true that Nikki needs to lay off a rice cake or two Or maybe, it may be true, three, or maybe she needs to do a nice little walk every night in her neighborhood or something that, uh, you know, needs to be like some activity so that she's not so plumpity-umpity.
1: Them to raising the three kids. But of that should that not
0: system. be commented on during this show about her excessive weight. And that's that's what I want to get across to you people, is that we exactly. don't do these things on purpose. We made a mistake, or Rob did anyways. When a person is struggling with some extra girth, and especially poundage in the bum area. You don't stick it to them. We should be supportive. And not just a bunch of jokesters or clowns or joking clowns. By the way, I love joking clowns. We should. So, you know, it's just wrong. Nobody likes a joking clown except me. I I, kind of have a soft spot for it. So not only does Rob apologize to his sister because he loves her dearly and should not be saying those things. I'm sorry I know this guy and haven't killed him yet. I also reluctantly apologize and we wish the best to Nikki in her long struggling battle to overcome the odds and shed a few or more pounds. And that's... I'm sorry. I, I'm, from ge- the I'm heart. sorry, but... It's from the heart. It's from my heart. <laughs> because I felt and it's
1: that talking
0: about her excessive poundage... and
1: <laughs> Just so you guys know... What sort of person, Gary, is uh, I, I have to live with, with with my family, just so you know.
0: And that's why I'm apologizing for you. That's why I'm <laughs> doing this tonight, okay? Let's not stoop to the level of making fun of one's uh, big bum. No, can't do that. Uh, sizable hips. No, definitely can't do that. Uh, we will not do that. Now, she has those problems. She little- has right now a big bum. Okay, that's not funny. She has right now extremely sizable hips. That's not humorous. I don't find it humorous. Okay, so let's just leave it at that. Okay. And Rob, if you can just do your own formal apology. Oh
1: I could I could have left it well before that. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: I felt trapped. <laughs> or it is not yet time to go to the washroom. <laughs> okay, we got our last item. This is we have saved the best. After, after what Robs did last week, he also goofed up big time again last week. Last week, last item for us this week is from last week's show, and it has to do with Robs again ill-timed comment. and sometime somewhat psychotic comments. Have to
1: remember not to talk
0: that he liked <laughs> that he liked the nineteen seventy eight movie Sgt. Pepper's Only Hearts Club Band*, starring the Bee Gees. And Peter Frampton. Robert Stigwell! Stigwood. (laughs) Um, That's how much he knows people. He doesn't even know the people involved. He's just making comments because he has, I feel, some mental problems. Now, if you could explain, Rob, why you said that oh. one of the movies I hate the most in my whole life is actually something you liked. <laughs> I
1: rather enjoyed watching it when I was eleven.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. You actually, if you watched it when you were eleven, that means you almost went to the theater and saw it. So don't it's, tell me you were eleven. It and was watched on
1: TV movies. about a year or two later. Was it? Was it? it was not uh, not on TV for long. It was on TV fairly quickly.
0: Wasn't on TV. I mean, they, they had it for five minutes, and they said, "This is shit," so we're not gonna <laughs> we're not going to make I... any money at the theaters. Let's get uh, this
1: more well, syndication. Maybe we'll find an audience. Oh, you on mean TV. it wasn't
0: long before it was on TV? Yeah, because
1: I definitely was very young when I saw it,
0: and, and at I, that I, time,
1: I had uh, was unfamiliar with the music of the Beatles. Therefore, there was nothing there uh, for it to uh, spoil for
0: me. Oh, well, that's a good actually. That's a good point.
1: Yeah. See, when you saw it, it was uh. You, Shock, horror. I was like, Oh, I thought atrocities like this only happened in Cambodia. But uh, here they are happening here.
0: Did have some uh, good segments. Aerosmith. Uh yeah. I would co- I would bring up the mighty coked up Aerosmith at the time. Alice Cooper <laughs> did uh did a really great version of Come Together. <laughs> Alice Cooper did not do a great version of I think Sun King. No, but he was entertaining. But at least it was Alice Cooper and he, he had was a mustache He was the, pretty cool. Yeah, he, was, yeah. Yeah. he got beat up and uh oh we're doing on fire did it the best song on the album or interpretation on the album which was i got to get you into my life,
1: into my life mm.
0: which was really good other than that it was uh it was literally in my top three worst movies that i've ever seen in my life and so, i've seen it twice for some reason i hated it the first time and i actually thought no this is true i actually thought Maybe I was wrong, (laughs) and a couple of years later I watched it again, and I disliked it even more. (laughs) And I actually wanted to see it in the theater when I was, well, when you said eleven, right? But it wasn't there long enough. The funny now, this is the funny thing is that I was a big Beatles fan, like not not too many, not too. (laughs)
1: That would have been a. Oh, where'd my money go? My now, allowance money.
0: I'm also 11. Now, nobody's a big music fan at 11. I was. <laughs> I <laughs> and am. I was stuck. This is a true story. I really wanted to go over this movie because there was a lot of hype on the radio and they had the uh, soundtrack album for like, I don't know, a couple weeks before the, the movie was premiered. And they had a big premiere in the local radio station. It was like Really big thing because nobody had seen the movie, so they didn't know shit. Yet, right?
1: <laughs> they it thought was it was still yeah, a surprise.
0: Yeah, it was a, a Beatles movie, and Beatles weren't mentioned a lot in the late 70s. I mean, they just, they really weren't. Uh, yeah, they were so kind when something happened, when a Beatles type project happened, it was big news. So just like it is now, but everybody now is like, oh, you know, uh, they're kind of used to it.
1: Yeah, we expect big
0: news. We expect news. almost big news every year from the Beatles camp, Apple. And uh, I actually wanted to go, and I was pleading with my parents to go, but they wanted to stay at the lake. So I had to stay at the lake, and I was heartbroken because I wanted to see this movie, and I never did see the movie because the following week the movie was gone. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> and plus... Bums I, in seats. I was really bummed that I didn't want to see it anymore because the reviews in the paper and everything were vicious. <laughs> and uh less I than... didn't end up seeing the movie for I think about ten years after that.
1: So less than one
0: star. Turkey. Sorry. It, gets... <laughs> it gets turkey. So I just find your but I understand where your comment is coming from now as a person as a as a relative.
1: I was young, And point B like I say there was nothing to um right. uh, to despoil there for. Me.
0: So you know what? I accept your apology. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I hope you accept it in the spirit in which it materialized.
0: You had two apologies tonight. You apologized to your sister for your terrible comments about her excessive well, weight. It's really
1: more my association.
0: <laughs> because I didn't want to And society. I, you know I don't I don't I really don't want to talk about this anymore. But when a person has weight problems like like she does it's a cause for concern. It's something that we just want to get out of the way and say we're sorry and uh, we don't want to make we don't want to make fun of a big bum yeah uh, like uh, who are we? Who are we? <laughs> <What> type <laughs> of, you have to look in the mirror and say what type of people are you And then you have to apologize for liking uh, a universally hated movie. but then yeah. when you put it into the context, of you weren't even legal enough to like the movie. Yeah, I wasn't that smart. Then you weren't <laughs> smart enough to know what a good movie or bad movie was at that point. So you know what? You're excused on the Sgt. Pepper, but shame on you for making fun of uh, of uh, Nikki having one or too many, three maybe rice cakes too many. <laughs> um, I've been
1: bad, and I'll admit that. Actually, no, I haven't.
0: I'd like. I I would actually like. Maybe. if we could have a I'm live phone call right now, so Ah, that uh, that's a thing. The phone's not working. Well, if the phone was working, we damn well would do it. I think there's a telephone jack in here somewhere. Anyways, speaking of Jack, <laughs> that was a bad segue. <laughs> Remember when Jack was the album review of Kiss Alive? Remember when Jack did the album review of Kiss Alive? Yeah, but then he left town. Sorry, this could be one of our worst episodes ever. <laughs> this is right up there. And we just had two really great episodes. Yeah, you you know, got to expect this. To the only
1: people deep. they uh they do a thing uh, over and over to get better at it. We're descending.
0: We're spiraling.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm
0: looking for the tab for the next segment. So, uh, what was that about spiraling, right?
1: I thought you were shocked by the awful truth.
0: Yes. Yeah. The, the I truth shock whatever you I were was saying shocked. Yeah. is so true. Um now Kiss Alive, everybody knows about Kiss. But th- this is actually okay, I what I will I will go over it. Yeah, KISS KISS to. is was formed in nineteen seventy three from a band called Wicked Lester and, and then uh, um, you got Gene Simmons on bass. You've got Paul Stanley on rhythm guitar, and you've got Peter Chris on drums, and of course, Ace the ever Freely. great Ace Frehley on guitar, lead guitar. Now, again, just like with our other two albums, and really why I picked these three albums for our double live albums, they got great backstories. <clears throat> and this one, not that every album we pick has great backstories, but because that
1: would be impossible. Something to shoot for. When Especially you're
0: with, well, it's something to shoot for, and plus, not too many albums have great backstories because like I said last week, sometimes most of the time, eighty percent of the time, it's just like we need a live album, let's record this show and then it's released. Uh, but these albums <laughs> really do like and they all have a lot in common. And I'm gonna tell you right now before I get into the Kiss Alive story, that all three live albums yeah. are within one minute of each other in total length.
1: One minute. That's unusual.
0: It is. The Rush album is 79 minutes long. The Peter Frampton album is 79 minutes long. And the Kiss album is 78 minutes long. That's spooky. That's actually
1: not unusual at all, considering about 20 minutes for side, four sides. It is actually unusual.
0: You know what, Rob, with your smart-ass comment, is that a lot of albums... A
1: double album is about 80 minutes music.
0: You can put 25 minutes, sometimes even 28 minutes on the side of a record. But most people choose not to. Okay, we're going to move on because somebody's going to get hit and it's not going to be me for reasons, <laughs> for reasons of fidelity. Anyways, it, it, I thought it was a good anecdote, but uh, Rob, who was supposed to be my sidekick and only supposed to say, Yes, sir, that's a good point, <laughs> did not do that that time. No, I kicked you in the balls there. Yeah, I don't really like that language. Unless you're talking about your sister's birth, uh, how'd you, how'd you um, like that? <laughs> <laughs> so, Kiss released three albums. I mean, I mean, they released albums quicker than than women give birth.
1: Yeah, how can they do it so
0: quickly? Uh, they released in early '74. They released their debut album, Kiss. a uh, very good album, but didn't sell <clears throat> very many copies. <laughs> again it, it was kind of a, a limp production didn't uh, good songs didn't really have uh, didn't perform didn't 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 the production wasn't up to the songs uh, yes <coughs> so then in late 74 they released harder than hell which had one of the worst album covers ever <laughs> it was it was an album cover. Don't do not do that on the air. What is wrong with you? What are you, some kind of savage? I like to keep it real. Yeah, well, you'll keep it real in another room, then. And I'll do this by myself. Well, you the one where they the silver fire hats. <laughs> so, uh, that's, when, that's when they go, it's a firehouse. house. Um, I used to do that before my friend all the time. I used to Because I got it from Kiss and we used to play the album all the time. all Kiss Alive all the time. And I I did my Paul Stanley impression of going like, you know what? It's a firehouse. Anyways. (laughs) Harder Than Hell had one of the worst album covers ever, which didn't help the album at all. And it also, by chance, had one of the worst productions. Even as a 10-year-old when I was listening to this, I said to myself, this sounds pretty crappy. I like the songs, but this sounds pretty crappy. <laughs> and it was actually one of the worst sounding albums I've ever heard. It sounds like they were recorded like in the garage? Oh Maybe no. Maybe not that bad. It sounded like they just they recorded it, they were recording it in the room, and somebody just decided to put baffles all between themselves and the music. It's just terrible. Then they were then they decided to get Neil Bogart, who's the head of Columbia Casablanca Records to produce their third album, Dressed to Kill, which really sounded pretty good, but still didn't capture the live essence of the band. So all three albums had a cult following because of the makeup and their incredible incredible live show. They had a really good following, but they had very, very mediocre sales at best. So they're on the edge. And not only that, but Neil Bogart... Uh, who owned Casablanca Records had made some (laughs) ill-advised Bogart (laughs) it's called Casablanca Records uh, had some ill-advised albums that he released one of them was (laughs) The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson thinking an album of The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson would sell, in fact it got returned to the record stores in droves so Casablanca was just on the verge of decline like extinction of blanket by the Collapse. way exists to this day which is amazing I
1: remember they had the uh, the, uh, the, 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 the on the album the little uh, paper circular thing where they had the hole in it uh, it always had the uh... yeah all
0: albums have that yeah <laughs> It's but theirs
1: was unique. It was Casablanca.
0: Oh, right. it was Casablanca. I just thought yeah. you remember, You know what had that round thing, and then you could oh, put it you the, the paper, hand. it was pasted on there, <laughs> and uh, you could read it, and had the songs on it. Yeah, it was kind of like Rick's place there on, in Casablanca. <laughs> That's what it had around. But uh, anyways, what was I? What was I say? Oh yeah, and then about he made collapse. some bad decisions, and they were about to collapse. And then Kiss, like, they. They were not like if, if Casablanca Records collapses, of course they collapse as far as their contract is concerned. And who knows if anybody wants to pick them up because their they're, albums yeah, have not sold. Yeah,
1: they three. We don't see nothing. We're we'll probably gonna uh, continue to see nothing. Uh, forget it. These guys are bums. Get them out of here.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if their next album is going to be Destroyer because they're not going to get the money for yeah. it if if their if their fourth album stiffs right. They're not going to get that Bob Ezrin to produce Destroyer. They might have a contract, but it may just be the same old, same old. And then eventually they, they do. So this that's why this album was, it saved Casablanca Records because just like Peter Frampton's album, Frampton Comes Alive, of course, it sold millions and millions. Of, it was just, for a live, double live album, it was huge. It went to number eight on the charts, and that's incredible for a live album even more incredible today because nobody hardly releases live albums and live albums really by the mid eighties, live albums became more really became more of a, of a contract stipulation or a ending of a contract thing. Mm-hmm. Cause they just, people didn't like buying live albums anymore. And the unplugged albums did well, you know, yeah. from MTV, like people and that would do well, but not exactly. real live albums. That really stopped selling as a commodity like it did in the 70s because it it revealed something. People stopped caring about live albums. I shouldn't really go into this, but people stopped caring probably in the 80s about making statements with their live albums. Like, oh, we could, we're going to... Just like with Peter Frampton and, and Kiss, they both wanted to show that their music was better than their studio albums were showing people. Yeah, <clears throat> and, and people... And by the 80s, people didn't care about that. They just wanted to put product out there. That's all it was. Yeah, kind
1: of like saying uh, we uh, can't really show you that our live uh, show is pretty much the same as I recorded. Uh, so.
0: Yes, exactly. <clears throat> so they, so they recorded a couple of shows in 1975, and uh, more specifically around May of 1975. And then there's the controversy of the overdubs. Uh, is this a heavily overdubbed album? I'm going to tell you right now my feeling of it because this thing has I don't know how long this has
1: been, been talked defense?
0: about or yeah, been been a controversy, but I'm telling you right now, if you're if you're making a live album and, and more specifically, if your three albums that you've made beforehand hasn't succeeded because of poor production, you're not going to save your live album by going into the studio and, and trying to uh, overdub uh, guitars because you didn't succeed in the first place. This album is, except for mistakes, and I do, I do believe that obviously with KISS, being a very jumping up and down and breathing fire yeah, and all that. But there's s- going to uh, be people not getting to the microphone on time. There's going to be a few mistakes. Oh, I remember
1: reading when we were doing Frampton, there were, I think, three overdubs. On there that. was
0: three overdubs for and the entire they album. They were
1: due to um, the, the 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 technical stuff. Like, they were. Uh, this was not mistakes in playing. I was. It's uh, funny because
0: I was going to mention that, actually, as a comparison. And That I
1: can kind of forgive. Because, you know, you only got one night, two nights to record a show. You have to get a good take. Uh, Hopefully with two nights you can. But uh, if something goes wrong, you kick over a mic stand.
0: uh, Oh, yeah. And I understand. Like, I forgive the KISS stuff, too. Hey, their stuff is more visual than it is. It's a show. It's an extravaganza is what it is. (laughs) And if you don't get to the microphone on time or the, the background vocals sound weak because you're entertaining the crowd... I totally understand that, because that is 50% of what they do. Yeah. And if you have to overdub vocals or a guitar part because of this or that, what you're doing on stage, I totally understand. There's people say they did 80%. The band definitely doesn't says that that's not true, and there's no way that I believe it's true. No, and I'll tell, so it's not not true. It. I'll tell you why it's not true. Listening to it, we we have good enough ears that we can know what's live or not. And this album is about 80% live, at least, is that my friend of mine when Kissology came out? Now, Kissology is uh,
1: that thing that tells about Kiss,
0: was uh, a video package and it was divided into three sections. It was released in three sections starting in 2007, which was Kiss tried to release everything they have on video uh to its to their fans and to the public but mostly to their fans and and the kissology one went up went from like 1973 to 1977 or whatever and then the next box set that came did the same thing and then the next last box set did the same thing they they went from you know 77 and the other one went from 77 to 84 or whatever he bought it my friend bought it and he said oh why don't you why don't you borrow it because it's really good he was a he was big. He, he still is a very big hard rock fan. So he wanted me to listen to it. So I said, you know, this would be kind of cool. I was a big, like everybody our age. We went to school with. We're huge, Kiss fans. At about the time Kiss Alive came out and Destroyer, yeah. I mean, everybody was I, into Kiss, or else you got beat up. That's, you couldn't. Uh, you it. couldn't
1: not hear about it. No, you could not.
0: <laughs> at least hear about it course, the, the girls probably didn't like it, and they were proud to say, I don't like that band. That
1: was my older sister who actually got Kiss Destroyer. I was uh, <clears throat> the first Leander- one I'd ever seen. Yes.
0: Leander's right now not suffering from weight problems like some other people. Anyways. <laughs> anyways. You're going to get me beat up. <laughs> Rob. <laughs> baby say that. So what happens, Uh I forgot what I was going to say.
1: Uh, Oh uh, oh, yes, the Kissology
0: Uh, It's two discs and it's six freaking hours. It's like, I don't know four or five shows on there and TV appearances. Oh, when they did the Paul N. Halloween special. That was funny Uh, (laughs) I watched it all not in one sitting. If I watched all six hours of Kiss in one sitting I would not be here today. I would be in a sanitarium someplace but I did watch it like over like maybe two weeks. I watched all six hours of it and I tell you, they were a great live band and I, I, I'm telling you that you can't over or you don't bother making overdubs on concerts that you, you filmed, you just don't do it because they weren't really meant to be shown uh, to the public so there's no overdubs on these on these concerts that I saw and they were great and uh, one thing you don't get to hear because Ace Fraley is just guitar god is that what you don't get to hear on this live album that you get to see on the video from the same time period? Is he actually plays the finger thing that Eddie Van Halen three years later would do, and
1: that finger tapping, the finger tapping, uh, which became an eruption and uh, other stuff. Yeah,
0: on Eruption, uh, mm-hmm. Ace Frehley did it. Did it way before he did. He did it. He did it in nineteen seventy. You know what?
1: He didn't patent it.
0: He didn't patent it, but I'll tell you. Uh, I think I did hear Eddie Van Halen say, hey, I, I got that from like Ace for and and one or two other players who just didn't get recognition. He did invent it. I thought he invented it because when I no, heard, when I heard that... No, he definitely perfected it. When I definitely heard that, perfected it, it, but... I heard that my brother bought the Van Halen album not to get off track, but I am getting off track. And when I heard that eruption, I had never heard anything like that before. I had never heard anything like that. And rock and roll was already in its mid-20s. Right? Yeah, I mean,
1: even a guy playing picking fast uh, doesn't sound like.
0: I was thinking, well, how many guitars did he overdub on that <laughs> when I heard it? And I was only 12 years old, and I was going, how many how many overdubs did he do that to get all those guitars on there? And then when it, I was told like it was no, that's one guitar, and he's playing it, and I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. And Ace Fraley was doing this, and so no, this album is not is not is not heavily overdubbed. There are overdubs that have to be done, but that's about it. So we're going to get to the album in general here, and uh, I'm—it's hard for me to—I'm not, you know—I had listened even by the time I was 12 to every Kiss album up to the the actually Kiss Live too. I had uh, the first Kiss album my brother bought on A track. This is how old it is. <laughs> Hotter than Hell he bought on A track same with dressed to kill
1: and eight tracks you can't really get rid of unless you lose them or break them. Oh,
0: well, they always break eventually. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, then yeah. he had Kiss Alive right almost when it was released. Every kid we knew had Kiss Alive.
1: I remember hearing the other kids say you got to
0: hear the drum solo in
1: Black <laughs> Diamond. No, it's not in Black Diamond. It's the song before Black Diamond.
0: <laughs> 100,000 years. <laughs> and um then I heard uh, and then he bought he my brother bought Destroyer on A-track he also bought rock and roll over the the album after that on a yeah, track yeah, and one. the only kiss album i ever bought was which i got out of school i can't remember what year it was 77 and the first day after school about the very first week that love gun was released i bought love gun with my own money and it came with a love gun no <laughs> nobody unless they unless they bought the album know what i'm talking about but it is actual gun that went with paper and uh I was it was so cool and it was the last kiss album I bought. The I almost bought Kiss Alive Two and this is an important moment because I saved up money to buy Kiss Alive Two the next year and I went there, there and scandal. it was like that and it was like Beggars Banquet by the stones and I bought Beggars Banquet and never got I around never uh... got around ever <laughs> to taking Kiss all that seriously anymore. Because once you hear the stones on Baker's Banquet, Kiss doesn't seem all that important (laughs) anymore. And a lot of things changed, actually, when I bought that album. But I had every album up to to Alive, too. And And I've heard probably Alive. I haven't heard Kiss Alive, swear to God, probably in 40 years. But when I listened to this album, it was probably still probably the 30th time I had listened to it. And all of it came back. You know, uh, all of this listening to it when I was 12 years old. God, I listened to this album a lot. By the way, I was so enthralled at the time, as we were talking about Peter Chris's drum solo. It ain't that hot. <laughs> I thought it was the bee's knees back when I was 12 years old. That's what thought. You got to hear this drum solo. The greatest they're... drummer ever. It's actually because nobody at <laughs> our age had ever heard a drum solo on a record before. Yeah, yeah, we didn't know.
1: John Bonham or Keith Moon. No,
0: so that it, it was like the most no amazing thing. But in, in actuality, it's it's a very rhythmic solo, but he doesn't really do anything except keep the rhythm for a couple of minutes and does a couple of things which are pretty neat. I'm not knocking Peter Chris because Peter Chris and Ace Fraley are musically the heart of this album. They are just I mean, Ace Frehley is the god on this album. I was The surprised. amount of licks that Ace Frehley just thinks of. I was is surprised by the, uh, the the kind of
1: complexity in the music, and the uh, the, the the parts that uh, they were picking like uh, that uh, that caught me off guard. The lyrical content did not catch me
0: off. guard. No, in fact, <laughs> in fact, uh, that's the one thing that I didn't. Of course, you don't care about when you're 11 years old. No, because it's didn't cool. Really, didn't really even know because the music was cool. I'll but then you, you right start now, to
1: learn that there's uh, songs that are about stuff that uh, you actually kind of want to hear You
0: about. don't care when you're 11 what the stuff's about. No. Unless it's about something cool, you know, like whatever whatever was cool when we were 11. My I description
1: remember. at this age, I would say uh, that these are songs of romance and girls taking off their clothes.
0: Yes. And that's <laughs> actually, it's actually a lot of these songs are very sexist. A lot of these songs, kind by of... by today's standards. Well, no, you know, Rob. To be honest with you, uh, in my standards, because these is not the type of lyrics. I, this is why I don't. I'm not a big heavy metal fan. Is because of lyrics like this from bands. Go bands on. like, and you know, I, I got to be truthful. I don't. I, it just doesn't. It just doesn't. I, nothing no. about. Nothing about a song like. Uh, well, I don't know what deuce is about. Even Gene Simmons doesn't know what deuce is about. A song like, like, oh, you're like a firehouse. Like it doesn't do anything for me. Like that's not sexy. That's no, not anything kind of to the me.
1: Same theme for multiple songs, uh,
0: and it mm-hmm. just, I, I just find, I, and. I just really... They're dumb lyrics. They really are. They're dumb <laughs> That's lyrics. I,
1: I wrote down, uh, musically more complex than I thought, lyrically not. Songs written for stage show less attention to lyrics. Spinal Tapish, <laughs> And it's not to say uh, they, they, they were silly, but what I'm saying is that Spinal Tap had to get its inspiration from somewhere. And I think lyrically and vocally, they got a lot of uh, the, the, their inspiration from Kiss. I agree with that.
0: I agree with that very much so.
1: But also that singing style that's just the very edge of shouting that they do.
0: I know that's first first perfect all, for the show. I got I gotta say something. I got I gotta see this, Rob. I'll let Paul you Paul Stanley. It. Paul Stanley. Not his singing, but it but his talking to the crowd. You gotta you got a freaking microphone. Why do you have to yell into the microphone <laughs> <laughs> at your crowd? And then what seemed cool at eleven saying hey do you want to rock and roll yeah
1: yeah when was the first time you ever heard the uh, the, the singer asking the audience are you ready to
0: rock and roll and it's like well that's what i paid for my ticket for I, <laughs> I hope we're not gonna get all classical here all singers started saying that but i'm trying to think of someone saying it before these guys oh he's but... the worst he's the worst i watched mm-hmm. six hours <clears throat> thankfully not straight of of that kissology And by, like, the fourth concert, I wanted to strangle that motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he has got to be the most aggravating front man as far as speaking to a crowd I have ever heard in rock and roll history. I swear to God. I have never (laughs) wanted to kill somebody as much as I want to kill Paul Stanley when he, he talks so demeaning to the audience. Like, hey, everybody. Is everybody here have here to have fun? No shit. <laughs> no, bring us down a little bit, could you? Uh, uh, my high is just not. It's just not cool. Just bring me down. Like fuck, man. Like, and he yells at everybody, and a lot of things Jeez. as far as little peripheral things like the lyrics and that part of it has obviously not aged well because you. It's kind of cool actually when he does that. And maybe that's why he does it, is because he's appealing to like a, a almost a, a teenagers who are just the, becoming teenagers yeah, and pre teens. Uh, the audience. And that, so the adolescent within all of us. Who loves when they say, hey, you want to rock and roll? And says, yeah, Damn I get right. Right, so to do, so do something. Yeah. I get to do something. I'm uh, part of the show. <laughs> but that's nitpicking because on, the, on overall, first of all, every song here is just like right. the Peter Frampton album. And the Rush album. This is what all three albums are, have 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 in common: is that all the all the live versions of the songs are better than the studio versions. I think Rob's computer went out. <laughs>
1: it just it's flickering. In. There okay. we go. I got power back. Okay. Right.
0: All the like every song on this album <laughs> is better than the studio version.
1: I haven't and heard the, the only two studio songs I've heard on this one were uh, Strutter and uh, Rock and Roll All Night. I Even Rock and that.
0: Roll All Night, which was uh, pretty well done, doesn't hold a candle to the to the live version here, you know. And, and uh, they're all just, just it's just great song after great song. Yeah. I mean, melodically. And just Ace Fraley is just absolutely incredible throughout this whole, the things he comes up with yeah. and the solos. And they're all and different the and they're all created. melodic. Not only the great solos, but they're melodic. And the thing that, of course, that Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley bring, like Peter Chris, and Ace Fairley bring the musicianship to the album. Gene Simmons does not. <laughs> <laughs> Paul He's Stanley. the, 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 the demon hate... with the blood running
1: down his face. He and would, the, the breathing fire. On, but and, what uh... they
0: bring, other than that, because you can't see that, Rob. Is the songwriting? These are the two guys that wrote almost 90% of the songs here, if not 95% of the songs. They bring the songwriting, and they bring, to be honest with you, some really rock and roll singing. I, I like both Gene Simmons and, and Paul Stanley's vocals. I, I think actually Peter Chris is actually a really good vocalist, but he didn't get a chance. He got like one song and album, and uh, well, he did. And uh, but that's what they bring because you know Gene Simmons' bass sounds like uh, a buffalo farting, and that's not a <laughs> <laughs> that's not the greatest thing to hear, and and Paul Stanley is is is, a, is a, an adequate rhythm guitarist at best, but that's not their job. Their job was to write the songs, these the bare skeletons of the song, which are actually pretty good, and the stupid lyrics. But it's Ace Frehley who's who they say, okay, come up with something that's catchy at the beginning and in the middle, and he's the star of this. Out in fact, he's the star of Kiss, as far as I'm concerned. Do you remember much happening to Kiss after Ace Frehley left? You know I me. Mean? And actually, after both Ace Frehley left and Peter Chris, um, they really they could have been. Oh, I don't know. They could have had much. So many more hits if if Ace could have. Plus, it's Ace's fault. He was a, a drunk and no. had problems with uh, substances as as Peter Chris did, and uh, so he kind of deserved to get either kicked out or left or Sweet whatever. Substance. But he had. Man can man can he shred as the kids say. <laughs> he can shred, and there's not. I I can't see like musically. There's not a, a weak second on this album. I really, it brings me back to when I was eleven, and I, I could, you know,
1: yeah. I closed my eyes and tried to imagine any other band uh, playing this music, and I only saw Kiss. And I I just saw Kiss on stage. It is Kiss music. Well, isn't any it? part of yeah. it, like it's not like any other band.
0: It's like man mm-hmm. they they're, they're both mm-hmm. rocking and they got stupid lyrics and I mean who uh, who else does that Yeah but the lyrics <laughs> you know, the
1: songs uh, I sometimes wonder about how Alice Cooper uh, would write uh, you know how much of um, uh, his attention when he's writing a song... how much is he thinking about uh, what can I do with this on stage what what's it going to look like I I suspect these songs were written I mean, for rock and roll first, but also a big part of it is because we're going to do a show on stage and whatever we're going to do during this song, and uh, and maybe that's, that's why there was less attention paid to the lyrics. I agree.
0: I I agree. You know, sometimes because <clears> of my <throat> musical tastes, I I kind of harbor too much on that when actually that that's what the band wants and that's what the that's what their audience yes. they're going for. And sometimes you can't knock that. You can knock it. I'm personally. under the
1: impression the show was the uh, number one, and the the music was just. I got really that, good.
0: especially <laughs> when I was watching the Kissology. That that it was the show that was that was everything because everything in that show was magnificent. That was one of the best. When I watched Kissology, every concert was pretty much the same because they're not the kind of band to like throw in a, a different song or everything theatrically was the same. Yeah, I mean, but we set every, up every or... time it was thrilling. <laughs> it was.
1: I got one question. Uh, hotter than hell. Something was on fire on stage, or was that firehouse?
0: Oh, that's firehouse. That's what I said. It's going to be a firehouse.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't even seen them do the song live, and I knew without knowing that during that song, something on stage must be on fire. I think, and it was fun trying to imagine I what it was.
0: I think that's when Gene uh, Simmons did with the with the fire eater thing. Oh yeah, okay. But I know I know because you know this was gonna happen. Paul Stanley had like a a, a fire hat. You knew that was The silver happen. fire hat. Yeah, you knew that was gonna happen. Yeah. And you know that that they're gonna burn this place down like it's a firehouse. <laughs> I would I, love I would I, love to be a frontman. man I like that I think, for sir, one you, You've got the meaning
1: of firehouse backwards, <laughs> sir.
0: <laughs> they got a lot of things wrong on here, uh lyrically, but that's okay. Uh, I give this album, if I was a kid, if I was my 11 year old Gary, I would give this five stars out of five. Uh, that's how, that's how musically brilliant (laughs) it is. But because of the lyrics and because I'm older and a little bit more, and it's really not meant for me, I would, uh, at my age, I give it four and a half out of five because it's still killer from track one to track 16, but the lyrics are killer too in a different way. I gave it four
1: out of five. It was awesome. Uh, it was a bit of unfamiliarity with the music for me. And it, uh, occasionally, uh, the, sometimes uh, I'd be listening to one song, and then suddenly I'd be listening to another song. and I hadn't noticed where they switched because I kind of phased out for a bit. <laughs> that's, that's so like there a, was a bit of similarity. was like a Grateful
0: Dead record. I was listening to one song, and then all of a sudden, man, after I passed out, then it was another song. <laughs> and I couldn't tell the difference, but I loved it anyways because you know what? It's the freaking Grateful Dead, man. So uh, what? Sorry, I interrupted <laughs> you. Because I gotta get when I get a Grateful Dead joke, I gotta say it. So uh, what? You give it four out of five. I give it
1: four out of five.
0: Yeah. And uh, okay, I'm a little bit surprised mm-hmm. by that, to be honest with you. I thought you'd give it at least four and a half out of five because it's just Definitely it's a, rockin a hard album. rockin'
1: album. Musicianship, uh, there's nothing bad you can say about this. No. Uh, like I say, they surprise me.
0: Um. So that's the show this week. And remember, if you have any questions or comments, to send them to soundsfromthe70s at gmail.com. That's soundsfromthe70s at gmail.com. We are going to make it in time. Wait, we have more time. We have more time. That's why we're going to end it early. We're going to say to people, see, we can do it. We had no segments. You, that why we did you got too much last week. Next week, we are taking the week off. And so we can plan for our next batch of shows with a new theme. I'm going to the room. And we're going to have more guests, which we don't have anyways, and much more laughs, which we never really have, and so on and so forth. That'd be cool. So we're going to... I want some surprise guests. Yeah, well, Foster Brooks won't appear anymore, but we'll get somebody. Maybe (laughs) Burt Reynolds. I love Burt Reynolds.
1: Foster Brooks was our
0: very own Bruno Kirby. (laughs) (laughs) So we will uh, see you in two weeks, everybody. Good day.